Well, we're going to open your Bibles here this morning. We're going to be over in the Gospel of Matthew to start. Matthew to start. If God told you to do something, and that by doing it, you would have great benefit. Not only would you have great benefit, but the people around you would have great benefit. Not only would the people around you have great benefit, but the kingdom of God would have great benefit. Not only would you benefit, the people around you benefit, the kingdom of God benefit, but you would benefit later. How many people would like to get in on that? I mean, you benefit now, other people benefit, the kingdom of God grows stronger, and there's more for you ahead of time. Well, as we continue looking this series, we're going to be seeing some of the things to help us to, to do that. Remember one of the scriptures we looked at in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. We see, we saw in John chapter 4, Jesus came to the well, but in order to get the water out of the well, what did you need? You needed the tools, you needed the things to get the water to come back out from what was in the well. You can't just walk up to the well and and pull that out. There are things that are on the inside of you that need to be pulled out. God has put them there. We've got to go after those things. Glory be to God. In Isaiah chapter 12, verse 1, And in that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you come from me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah... The Lord is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. We talked about how joy was involved in this this whole process of, of pulling that out because your faith is involved in drawing out that water. In Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, We're going to be over in chapter 9 first before we get over to Mark. One more verse of scripture I want to read for you. John chapter 7 verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Again, Jesus is referring to the living water. How does one come to Jesus and drink? Well, we've got to know how to do it. And here in Matthew chapter 9 verse 18 While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for twelve years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. It said here that suddenly, suddenly this woman came. Read that verse again. And suddenly, verse 20, a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years from be- came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. Now here, if you read Matthew's Gospel, it seems like all of a sudden this thing happened. But when we go over to Mark, we're going to find out it wasn't just something that, that happened all of a sudden. We all know this story very, very well. A lot of things that we, th- we see happen suddenly happen because things have been put into place. Things have been going on. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 25, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now before... In, in Matthew's Gospel, it says, For she said to herself. How many times have you ever talked to yourself? We talk to ourselves all the time, don't we? If we do something and we think, Oh, I shouldn't have done that. We say, Oh, and you, know, you silly person. Why, why did you do that? If we did something good, we pat ourselves on the back. Way to go. That was alright. We, we talk to ourselves all the time. Nothing wrong with talking to yourself. I heard one person put it this way. It's no problem to talk to yourself. It's a problem when you start answering. <laughs> So I'm not sure about that one, but maybe maybe so. But we talk to ourselves. We say things to ourselves. We coach ourselves. We, we try and, and get ourselves encouraged. She was doing this. For she said to herself in Matthew, 
or for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now the picture here is not someone who just went up and said something one time. Now we're not getting into all the details of this. We've taught on this area of scripture enough times. But we're, we're coming after this one for the purpose of drawing something out. Of going to the well and getting the water. There's a purpose that we're going to this story for. Not all the other wonderful details. This is particular stuff in here about, about what we're our topic that we're on at hand. For she said, and the idea here is that she kept saying. She kept saying. She didn't just say it one time. She kept saying. She kept going on. She said to herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be whole. Now, how many times have we said things to ourselves? I don't think I'll ever get past this. I don't think this is ever going to going to change. And we begin to talk to her, so we say these, these things to us, to ourselves. You know, I was in a, in a doctor's office waiting for, for, um, you know, my appointment to come up. And as I was sitting there, these two people who apparently from the conversation did not know each other until they sat down and talked with each other. And they were sharing some things and sharing some stories. And, uh, they, they apparently had a place in common. I didn't understand where the place was in common that they had, but they had been to, uh, some doctor and, and, and this one particular gentleman was raving about this particular place or this particular doctor about how good they were. And his was, this is what came out of his mouth. And it did not come out of his mouth one time. It came out of his mouth several times. He said, they found my cancer. Over and over he said that. They found, I owe my life to them. They found my cancer. Every time he said it, I cringed. Every time he said it, I said, oh, don't you know? It doesn't have to be yours. Why take ownership of the thing? So we take ownership of stuff that we don't need to be taking ownership of. We say some things, we don't need to be saying them. But you see, she's, she saw something. Up till now, she's had this thing for 12 years. She could be saying to herself, this is just my condition. This is just my cross to bear. This is just how it's going to be. She could be saying those things, but she heard about Jesus. And when she heard about Jesus, and we've looked before at the scriptures that, that talk about that, that before this, Jesus had been in a place and he was ministering, and it said the people just came up and touched him, and they received power, and they were healed. So she heard about that. She heard about Jesus. She heard about these things. People, they just came up and they touched Jesus, and they were made well. Oh, wow, this is, this is so awesome. She began to think about it. If I could just get there, and if I could just touch him, I know I would be made well. I know it. And so she began to say this, and say this, and say this, and say this. And so, we get to the heart of our story. Story, For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was, was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell before him and told him all the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So she came and when she touched him, Power went out from him into her and healed her of the affliction. Now understand this. Jesus had nothing to do with it. Look at the story and you'll see Jesus had nothing to do with it. There was nothing about Jesus that caused this to happen. While this is going on, there's a bunch of other people that are all touching him. The power is in Jesus. There's a well of water there, there's, but no one has drawn on it. All these people are around Jesus and they're touching him. They're touching him. They're, they're, but no power. No power is going. But all of a sudden, this one woman comes and touches the hem of his garment. And power goes out from Jesus so that Jesus stops and said, who touched me? Well, a bunch of people touched you. No, 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 no. Somebody touched me and power went out. Who touched me? And this woman was kind of hoping to come along here and just kind of steal a healing. Now I'll just sneak in there and grab one for myself. I don't have to bother anybody. 
don't need to bother Jesus, don't need to, to, to do any of that. I'll just come in there and I'll just kind of sneak one out. And I've, I've heard one person, they refer to this, and they say, you know, when Jesus stopped that, maybe, maybe she's thinking, oh, maybe God didn't want me to get healed. Maybe Jesus wants it back. <laughs> I didn't ask if I could take it, maybe I wasn't supposed to. I just kind of came in here and, and took a healing. But Jesus wasn't upset at that, was he? What he wanted to know was, all these people around here touched me, but somebody touched me and was able to draw down into the well and pull out what they needed. And he's excited about it. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Daughter, your faith has made you well. What was, what was involved with her? So, that's what we want to take a look at. She came here and she drew. This is the most positive story on this whole, whole thing that I can think of. Because somebody knew that inside of Jesus is something great. And I need to come over and to, to draw that out. Just like you would go up to a well and draw out the water. I need to go up to Jesus and draw this out. As we tar- started the series, we looked at that there are things inside of you. There's a Spirit of God is inside of you. And you can draw off that to get the things that you need. But you can also go to other people and draw off the things that they have. Most of us don't do that. So we're going to look at three examples here today. We're going to look at this one. This was the a positive one. And we're, we're going to look at one that almost went negative. Almost got turned. Went from positive to, ne- to almost negative. And then we're going to look at one that did turn negative. They no longer drew anything out of, that, out of who they were supposed to. But here in this one, all Jesus points to is her faith. Daughter, your faith has made you well. If you wish to draw something out of the people that are around you, or if you want to draw something from God, or if you want to draw something from the Spirit that He has put down the inside of you, your faith will always be involved. If your faith is involved, the same things we've taught you before, I've been taught, you've been taught, other places, the same things are involved in faith, check your joy, check your peace, because if you are in faith, you are full of joy. If you are in faith, peace is in your life. If you are not in peace, and you're not in joy, guess what? (laughs) You are not in faith. It's just not there. Now, if um, if you're doing your laundry, how many did laundry this week? All right. Most of you are truthful. You got to do laundry. I mean, laundry's gotten a whole lot easier now, hasn't it? How many of you all picked up those, uh, those lethal pods? Anybody picked up those lethal pods? You know, they're killing people all over the place. I don't know. When we grew up, we knew not to eat stuff like that. I don't know what happened to this generation. We knew that that's not food. That's, that's, not, that's not a good thing to eat. We just, we just didn't bother eating it. I don't know. You know, we didn't lick, lick toads and frogs, frogs and didn't eat mushrooms at all. I still don't eat mushrooms. Any of them. I picked them suckers off. I don't need them mushrooms on my, on my food. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what's going on with the world here today. With what's wrong with the people going out there? Never would have thought of licking a toad or a frog. Who in the world thought about that? That's got to be right from the pit of hell. Go ahead and go ahead and taste that frog. Are you kidding me? Do not need to taste the frog. <laughs> anyway, you go up to the laundry and you just grab one of those little pod things and you just throw it in there in the, in the wash. And that wash comes clean. Now, what if you had your laundry, you put it all in the wash, took your little pod thing, or you can do the old-fashioned method, you know, and pour all that stuff on into the, into the uh, containers and uh, so forth. And put your wash on through, and it comes out, and uh, it smells worse than it went in there for. What would you think? Huh. I guess we throw this washer out and get a new one. Now, most of us won't go that direction first, would we? Would we? Maybe we'd say, well, let's just throw away all these clothes. These are clothes are obviously no good. You can't wash them anymore. Well, we probably wouldn't go that direction either, would we? What was the first thing that you would probably uh, go after? Yeah. Maybe you needed more detergent. Maybe you need to change your detergent. Uh, I think that would be the first thing that we go after. Let's go after the, the, the detergent. Now, of course, if you washed your clothes on Monday and you didn't pull them out of the washer and put them in the dryer until Wednesday... Well, that's why they smell. 
<laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> you, you want to get them closed out. Uh, and washers make it so much easier now. I was uh, we had to do that the other the other day. We were gonna I needed to get some stuff washed. I was out in the yard and it just got all smelly from the pool and all the other stuff we had to work on. And so uh, we were going out for the day, and I didn't I didn't want the clothes. I wanted them to get washed, but I didn't want the clothes to smell by the time I got back and put them in the in the dryer. So glory to God, delay start. Haven't used that feature yet. Delay start. Delayed start that by a number of hours. And it just sat there and waited for a couple of hours and it started up. And so by the time I got back, those clothes had only been washed for about an hour. And we had to put them over in the dryer and they didn't, uh, they didn't have any of that, that problem. But you know, we can, we can tell that something's not right. That if the clothes smell funny, well, we're not going to keep putting them in the dryer. We want to, we need to take care of this. I can tell they smell funny. There's a problem. I got to figure out what that problem is. Folks, if you're not filled with joy, there's a problem. If peace doesn't guard your life, there's a problem. And that's why you're not drawing the things out that you need to. You're not going to draw stuff out of you. You're not going to draw stuff out of other people. Now this woman, she saw something was in Jesus. And I, I don't know that anybody came over and told her what to do. It seems like that she was out there hearing about Jesus. And she's meditating on it for a while. And down in her spirit, she got revelation. What to do. Because I never saw anybody come across and tell her what to do. Well, this is what you got to do. This is this is how you did. If you read Brother Hagin's book, How to Write Your Own Ticket with God, he does a great job of breaking this thing down. He just looks at this one story and breaks it on down. How to Write Your Own Ticket with God. Uses her as a as an example. It's a good book to read. If you haven't read it in a while, good one to go back there and do. But somehow she got revelation on this. Revelation on what to do. And she did it. But she had to meditate on that. She had to do something to get that revelation. And she knew, all right, I'm going to say this, I'm going to go out there and do it. I'm going to say this to myself, and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do it. She heard about Jesus. She pondered about this. How this could affect her. How could what I heard about Jesus affect me? She got the revelation. She thought and spoke that revelation. And then she acted on it. A lot of people get revelation, but they don't act on it. Remember, I already gave you this part, but the two things that accompany faith, joy and peace. Joy and peace. Now let's look, take a look at an example of, the, of one that was almost lost. We already read this first part, but let's go back to Mark chapter 5, verse 22. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. That sounds like a pretty good faith statement, right? When Jesus agreed, how do you think Jairus re reacted? I think he was happy. I think he was joyful. Jesus is coming. I think he's 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 glad that this is gonna this is gonna happen. It's it's on its way. Think of it think of it this way. How many of you have a favorite restaurant? And um, someone in your household calls up and says, "Hey, I'm going by such and such a place. How about if I pick up dinner?" What are you thinking? Oh yeah. Oh, this is good. Uh, what would you like me to pick up? And you tell them what you want to to pick up. And so, after they hang up the phone, you're thinking the whole time, what? I've got such and such coming over from such and such a place. Whatever your favorite place is, whatever your place would get you excited. Now, you see, some places, I mean, you may like their food, but you're not getting excited. You know, if somebody's calling me up and say, hey, I'm going over to Chipotle. Want to pick up something? Oh, okay. I'm not going to get excited. But it's, a, it's good food. Chipotle, Wendy's, they don't excite me. I don't want to get excited because somebody's picking up a salad at Wendy's. Folks, I don't even get excited if you're picking up a chicken sandwich over at um, Chick-fil-A. Don't even get I mean, it's good food. Sit there and enjoy it. And if you're picking up something from McDonald's or Burger King, you can just stay away. <laughs> I don't need any of that stuff. I don't want any of that sort of... There aren't too many restaurants really that, that are out there that I just get excited. Oh, I can't wait to get that one. All right. There's just not that many. 
at least not in our area. You go out to other places. You know, we've been out in some places in Pensacola, Florida. Somebody was going by Pensacola, Florida and said, hey, I'm going to go by this place. You want me to pick? Oh, yeah, please. Oh, we have a bunch of restaurants out there in Pensacola, Florida. When we were visiting Christian for his uh, uh, one of his graduations he was doing, and if we ever got back there, I said, we just go there for the restaurants. There wasn't a whole lot to do around Pensacola, Florida, <laughs> but we'd go back there for the restaurants. We'd go over here for breakfast. We'd go over here for lunch. We'd go over here for dinner, and we'd just have some fun. We'd just be lining them up. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. And we would have some, some fun. But uh, and nobody's going by Pensacola, Florida and, uh, and bringing something on over here to, uh, to, to do that. So, um, you know, there's a handful of places around here that if, if we were going to go to, uh, I could get excited about it, but not many. Most of the time, how I many of y'all know, you just get kind of tired of the same, same restaurants. There aren't that, that many to do. But there's a, few, there's a handful. How many of you have a place that you can think of? You get excited. You can get excited that, that the, oh yeah, for, for bringing us, maybe we go there. Maybe we could go there and enjoy that, whatever it might be. This is what he's like. Jesus said he'd come. He got excited. He went from hopeful to excited. Oh yeah, I'm excited. Jesus is coming. He's going to lay hands on my daughter. And she's going to be healed. She's going to live. Oh, this is good. Coming over to Jesus, he's thinking that she's going to die. Jump on down to verse 35. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now, how many you got excited? You were excited. You're going to your restaurant that you want to go to. People are going with you to the restaurant that you you're, you are on the way. And then somebody said, "Maybe I'll call them and have them hold a table for us." You ever done that? I'll call them just to see what kind of a wait. There is one. You call them and say, oh, we're closed today. <sighs> what happens to your excitement level? Your excitement level went from, oh yeah, this is where we're going. <laughs> Down to, oh, oh no. We're not going to be able to enjoy. We're not going to be able to have. We're not going to be able to, oh, and we're sad. This is how he went. He went from Jesus is coming to the house to why trouble the teacher anymore? Your daughter's dead. Oh. Can you feel how that would affect, affect it? Just like you came up to the restaurant and you, you saw the sign closed for construction. Or, or something like that, that that might be going on. You can't do it anymore. You can't get there. And your excitement level just... Just bottomed out. Oh. What's Jesus do? What Jesus does is important for us to know in this area. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, He said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid. Only believe. Now... When you look at this, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he didn't hear anything that came out of Jairus' mouth, did he? He heard the word that was spoken. So what's he know? I know that's going to have an effect on him. I know that's going to change his, his faith. I know that's going to change his expectation. So just think of it this way. You're on your way. Your family says, it's your birthday. Where would you like to go? And you name this restaurant. Y'all name that restaurant in your head. Here's the restaurant. That's the one I want to go to. And you name that restaurant and you are on the way. They are taking you to the restaurant to enjoy this fabulous meal that you're going to have. And as you get there, you see the close for renovation sign that's up on there. And you go down in excitement. But then somebody in the, in the car who knows you, they chime up and says, Oh, but we're not too far from such and such a place. How about that? We are not that far from such and such a place. Oh, we could go there. Couldn't we? You all would go there? Yeah, let's go. Let's make the trip. It's only, only 10 miles away. We can do it. And all of a sudden now you went from all the way down here to what? We're going to this other place. How we're going out over, over here. 
and we're going to enjoy some food over, over oh, this is, this will be, this will still be good. So Jesus says, don't be afraid. Only believe. So what's going on in him? You mean it's, it's not over? It's not done? There's still, there's still hope. This can still change. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Who did the ruler of the synagogue come to get something from? He came to get something from Jesus, didn't he? Does Jesus want him to have it? That's why he made the trip. When Jesus says this, he's saying something to him that he knows if you don't follow along and do, if you don't do the things that I'm telling you here, you're going to shut this down. I want this to come out for you. Jesus wants that. But he can't get it done. And we'll see this in a minute. We'll see this for sure in just a minute. We're not just supposing. As soon as the word, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, do not be afraid, only believe. So we got to get those, that fear out of us. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult of those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother all of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Now, why does Jesus make a statement to these people when he knows they cannot understand it? Or they will not understand it? Does Jesus expect them to understand this statement? I don't think. I don't think he does. What do you mean? Sleeping. She's dead. We saw the lifeless body. She is dead. And they immediately start, went from their wailing and their mourning to um, laughing. Now we talked about this before. You know, these are hired weepers. That's one of the things that they would do. Uh, you know, if we have we have funerals, we don't generally hire people to. Will you come in and cry for me? I, just, I need. We need some weepers. We need some people to uh, carry on and and you know have a commotion, and uh, so they can come on in and and they have no affection for the person that's involved, no per, no no feelings at all for the person in the casket. But they just come on in and said, "Yeah, sure, we'll cry," and they cry, and that boy, it looks good, it looks real, it looks genuine. I wouldn't be able to do that. I would be poor if that was my job. It, it wouldn't work. People would say, we don't want you to come. You're no good at this. And I would die hungry. <laughs> but apparently there are some people out there that are good at it. And so they came in and, and they are good at it. And Jesus came in. He knows these are just people that are, they got, they got nothing involved here. So um, I think Jesus wants to put them out. But how do you put out people that are crying? Right? How do you do that? We don't know what to do with it. I mean, we got the, the person that's crying. How many of you ever watched one of those Hallmark movies, you know, and the girl starts crying? And the guy, he doesn't know what to do. Doesn't know what to do. The, the girl's here crying. I don't, I don't know what to do. There's tears involved here. Um, think, picture Tom Hanks in the uh, baseball movie. And the, the players get upset and they all start crying. And Tom, I don't know what to do with this. I don't, he's a professional baseball coach. His players don't cry. And I love his statement that comes out of there. There's no crying in baseball. <laughs> that's a that's a great line. <laughs> There's no crying in baseball. I don't know what to do with with you folks crying. I don't know how to how to help this out. Quit it. <laughs> that's all he knows to do. So, you know, people are crying in the room. So Jesus just says, "Hey, she's not dead. She's just sleeping." And so they all start making dear just making fun of them, and they, they weren't in the crying mode anymore. See, you can throw people out when they're not crying. But while they're crying, it may be a little bit tough. So he, uh, he throws that out there. It's a true statement, but they're not going to understand it, but it's going to expose them. Then he took the child by the hand. Well, I'm sorry, verse uh, 40. And they ridiculed him, but when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother and the child and those who were with him, Peter, James, and John, and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. So anytime you hear me call my granddaughter little girl, it's scriptural. 
Take it right from the Bible. <laughs> Immediately the girl arose and walked for she was 12 years of age. So I can do this at least until my granddaughter is 12. Jesus did it. <laughs> Immediately the girl arose and walked for she was 12 years of age and they were overcome with great amazement. But, in, but he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given her to eat. Well, see, he wanted what was in him to be brought out. He didn't want it to stay there. He wanted it to come out. So he told him what he needed. Don't be afraid. Only believe. You came to me believing. You came to me in a place of faith. Don't leave that place. Stay right where you are. Now, we're not to, they were not to the faith. No, they were not to the place in their faith where they just, well, I know this is going to happen. They didn't know this was going to happen because it says they had great amazement at what was done. If you see the thing get done, you're not, you go back to your favorite restaurant. If you go back to your favorite restaurant and you have that thing that you like and it's wonderful. How many of you are greatly amazed? You're not. You expected it. Well, they always do. That's why I came here, because they always do a really good job with this. So I came here expecting this to be really good, and it was. So you're pleased, but you're not greatly amazed. It says here they were greatly amazed. See, faith doesn't have to be to the spot where you, well, I just know it's coming. You don't have to be that spot. But he kept them in faith. He said, don't, don't be afraid. Don't let that fear come in. Only believe. Now, we're going to cover the next couple of verses here just because I want you to see what I was referring to. Then he went out from there and came to his, his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is, is this which is given to him? that such mighty works are performed by his hands. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Moses, Judas, and Simon? And are not his disciples here with us? And they, and they were offended at him. But Jesus said to him, said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, he could do no mighty work there except that he what? laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief and he went about the villages in the circuit teaching. So he came to his own hometown. He had people around there that he knew, that knew him. And because of the familiarity they had, who was this? How can, how can this son of Joseph? We know him. He's a carpenter. He's a carpenter. How's he going around here healing people? You've heard it said, you know, if you receive a prophet, in the name of a prophet, you receive a what reward? A prophet's reward. If you receive a teacher, as a teacher, you receive a teacher's reward. Well, they didn't see him as a teacher. And they didn't see him as a prophet. They saw him as a carpenter. So they received a carpenter's reward. Who was the problem? Was it that there was some, nothing inside of Jesus for them? No, they didn't pull it out. One more place of scripture we want to go to. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 17. So Saul said to his servants, Provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of, of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech and, hands, and a handsome person. And the Lord is with him. Oh, this sounds good. That's a good resume right there. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son, David, who is with the sheep. Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, skin of a wine, and a young goat, sent them by his son David to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him. And he loved him greatly. And he became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was, whenever the Spirit of God came upon Saul, that David would take a harp, play it with his hand, and Saul would become refreshed, 
and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. So David was seen as a great benefit, wasn't he? He was anointed in his plane. In chapter 17, he would have victory over Goliath. After that, he became a great warrior. And things were, were going good. This was a person who benefited Saul. Saul could draw things off of him. And as Saul's faith in David increased, he put him in situations where he could benefit him more. Instead of just, he, put, he had faith in him to send him out against Goliath, didn't he? There ought to be some faith that you had. Well, he's just, he's just talking like nobody else is talking. Let's go ahead and put him out there. And a great victory was brought about. And then he sent him out there for uh, war after that. And he kept going out in war. And eventually, some things began to change. And First uh, Samuel 18, verse 5. So David went out, and whenever Saul sent him and, and, and behaved wisely, and Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines and joy and musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. I wonder if they were the first cheerleaders. Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him and he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousand. To me, they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. Up till now has not David been a benefit. But some things happened. Some things were said by people. Remember what happened with Jairus? People came and they reported, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Let him go. And so some, some ladies came out in the streets and they were with the tambourines and celebrating and they made up a song. But the song didn't say that Saul had slain his tens of thousands. It said David had slain his ten thousands. They saw David as the new hero. Saul had been the hero before. Now David was the hero. And Saul didn't like that. He said, alright, what's going to happen next? What more can he have but the kingdom? And so he began to eye him. He began to, to watch. Because of things the people had said. Because of the things that people had said. And Saul was very angry. And the saying displeased him. Saul was very angry. And the saying displeased him. Up till now, he's been, been glad for having David around. It didn't take long for this to have an effect. Verse 10, And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand as other times. But there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. Now, I'm not sure exactly how this, this works, but I kind of have a, at least a little bit of an idea. I know that when, when Saul and David were around on the earth, they didn't have drywall. They didn't, they didn't have that. Generally, your wall is made out of what? Stone. Maybe they had some solid wood on the, on the facing of it. I don't know. It's either going to be something solid wood or very likely it could be stone. Can you imagine throwing a spear and it's sticking in the wall? I'm not talking drywall where it just kind of pokes a hole right on through. I mean, this boy threw the spear. He wasn't just trying to scare somebody. He's trying to kill somebody. Through that, that spear, I will pin David to the, he wanted to, he wanted that spear to go through David and into the wall and pin David there. That's how hard he threw it. That's a hard throw. Hmm. I will pin David to the wall, but David es- escaped his presence twice. I don't know if your boss throws a spear at you, how many of you are not returning to work the next day? He did. He did it twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but he had departed from Saul. Do you remember the words that Jesus said to Jairus? 
Do not what? Do not be afraid. Only believe. What's going on with Saul? He's got fear. He's afraid. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved wisely in all his ways and the Lord was with him. Therefore when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. So we've got three stories here. The first one, the woman, she just tapped right into that, that well that Jesus had and got out of that what she needed. The second one, they came, they had everything set up, but words were said and almost derailed it. But Jesus kept them focused and they received the thing they wanted. Saul needed some things in the kingdom and David was provided. But even though David brought great benefit to Saul and the kingdom, he became afraid of him and no longer was he drawing out of David the things that David could provide. He was against David. And eventually, this thing would escalate to such a degree that even though Saul had brought Israel into great victory over the Philistines, he took the entire army and chased one man around the land of Israel, so much so that the borders became unprotected. And Israel was subject to the Philistines coming over the border and ransacking their villages and their cities. Because Saul was chasing after this guy. Because he was afraid. And what was there for a benefit didn't turn out to be a benefit anymore. I would say all this and show you these three, three incidences here. Because there are people in your life that God wants you to draw water from. That God wants you to be able to draw from. That there's an anointing that is in them that will benefit and help you. And if you help them bring it out, what do you think the Father says? You help bring that out of, the, of that one. You help do some things with that. Just about everybody who's in ministry today, just about everything, anybody who's been in the body of Christ for a while will tell you that there are people that came along their path that helped them, that saw some things in them and brought them along that overlooked the things that they did wrong, that overlooked the mistakes that they made, that overlooked some of the uh, early enthusiasm and even some uh, wrong feeling, lack of humility that maybe should have been there, lack of understanding, lack of knowledge, a lot of things that were coming out. But you see, sometimes what happens is we got people in our life and they've disappointed us in the past and we, no more. Nope, nope, I already know what they're about not going to do that anymore. I already know what they're about. They've already done this. We've, they've, they've let me down. I heard a little piece of wisdom from somebody who's not necessarily a godly person. And I wrote it in my outline. I wanted to read it for you. How many know George Bernard Shaw? I don't believe he's a very godly person. I don't, I don't know. Um, he didn't write godly things. He wrote you know, plays and stuff like that. So um, He might be... Uh, I don't, I don't know anything about... Corey, you know, you know about him? He's not a very godly person? You don't know about him? Okay. So I don't know. But I, I can see wisdom when I, when I hear it. He made this statement. The only man who behaved sensibly was my tailor. <laughs> it's got your interest, right? The only man who behaved sensibly was my tailor. He took my measurements anew every time he saw me while all the rest went on with their old measurements expecting them to fit me. Wow. I mean, that hit me when I read that. It says, yeah, when you go into a tailor, what do they do? They measure your arms. They measured them the last time. Well, they measure them again. They measure the, what the pants have to be. They measure the waist. They, they measure everything. I don't know about what they measure for you ladies. I just know what they measure for the guys. You know, you get on in there and they say, put your arm out and you put your arm out, you know, and they measure that. And they wrap the thing around your waist. They measure the legs. They get all the, the measurements that they want. How do you want this to be done? And, uh, and, and things like that. That's what, they'll, that's what they'll do. But if you go in there a week later, what are they going to do? You go in there a month late, they still measure. Well, something may have changed. Let's go. Hop up there. And they measure again. 
And they measure again. I don't, I've heard the stories. I've not seen this because I absolutely have no interest in how a woman chooses a bridal gown. They have whole shows dedicated to this. What's the one? My daughter was watching the one, you know, because it's in her field. It's, she has to know some of these things. Uh, say yes to the dress. Is that what this thing called? Yeah. I don't, I, I don't watch that show. I don't DVR it. I don't miss it if I don't see it when it comes on. It's, it's fine that I don't see that. But there's other people who do that. And I, I do know that when they go through the dress process, that they measure you in the beginning. And then they measure you along the way. And then they measure you again before the, uh, week before the, the, the wedding. And they keep, keep measuring. Making sure that that dress is going to fit by the time that, that gets in it. But what, what do we do as Christians? We find somebody in the body of Christ and we took their measurements already. They're, they came up short for me. And that's it. See, we can't do that. We've got to have enough sense. We've got to have as much sense as a tailor who at least every time they see a customer, let's measure you again. Let's take a look at you again. Let's measure this up. Now, I, I told you before I worked at a men's clothing shop for a little while. About, uh, about three months before I found a better job. I think it was about three months that I was in there. And it didn't take me too long to learn to... Well, it was probably longer than three months. I guess it was maybe, maybe four or five. But it didn't take me too long being in there where a person who would walk on in the store, I could size them up. I cannot do it now. But I could then. If you walked in, I could say, you are 42 long. You are a 54 short. I would... I, as soon as you came through the door, I could peg it. Nail it. And, but you had to exercise wisdom with this. Because some people... I don't know if they still have it anymore, but we used to have a portly section because we didn't want to call it fat. So we called it portly when you had more port than you probably should. And so, you know, you, you, your, your stomach kind of came out further than it proportionally should. So we had special clothes for that. And uh, the one thing you really want to do with the guys, even though, you know, guys are not as sensitive to this as uh, maybe the ladies are, but some guys can be sensitive to it. And so... Um, you would take them to the regular section first. And when it didn't fit, then you would take them to the portly section. But you already knew ahead of time they needed to be in the portly section. You just didn't take them over there. I remember one guy, and I took him on over there, and I sized him up, whatever size it was that he was, and I took him over to the regular section. And he just looked at me and he says, you can take me over to the portly section. <laughs> I said, yes, sir. <laughs> it took him right on there. <laughs> I remember him well. That was that was fun. Because usually you couldn't uh, couldn't just do that. You had to kind of ease them into the fact that we're going to have to be over here in the in the fat section and get you one of those those kind of things. But you could do that. You know, you could just mentally size them on up for what this was. But still, once they picked out a suit, we took them back to the person who did the alterations and they did all the measuring. They did all the stuff that they had to do to uh, to get that done. But folks, sometimes for people. We've, we've taken the measurements and they've come up short and we don't ever take measurements again. We ought not to do that. God has put people in our, in our path here and not only will what's in them benefit you as a person, but it will benefit the body of Christ if you get it out. It will benefit the body of Christ if you pull that thing out. And they will benefit and God, when you get up into the kingdom, he'll say, you helped that person get to where they needed to be. And God will be grateful. Thank you for helping them get to that place. What do you think God will do in the next kingdom if he's grateful? See, it benefits you, benefits them, benefits the kingdom, benefits you later. God's going to take note. But if we just have sized people up and say they're not going to be any good anymore... They can't do anything. That's not good. Don't be doing it. Every single day that you see people people in the body of Christ, every single day, you ought to be saying, "Father God, let me let me let me remeasure them. Let me remeasure them. See where they're at in the things of God. Don't just write them on off and say, "Well," and it's it's so easy to do this, isn't it? It's uh, <laughs> it, it can be pretty easy to, to just let this stuff go. 
Well, that person, they're not a teacher I enjoy. Well, that person, they're always respond this way. No, we have to get back in there. We have to be willing to remeasure. I put this in your outline here for you. To pull good things, to pull out good things in others, here's some things we must do. First off, speak words of faith. Speak words of faith. That's, that's a faith that is inside of you is something good. Because God put it there. I've got to have faith in my God that He put something good on the inside of you. I'm going to help bring it out. They've got to be words of faith. A lot of times, folks, we aren't speaking words of faith. We're out there saying, well, they'll never become anything. They're nobody. No, speak words of faith. I thank God that person has the gift and calling on the inside of, on the inside of them. I thank God for that person to, to be able to do this and to go here and to, to do these things. Speak words of faith. You're going to have joy. You're going to have peace. You're going to have hope when you speak these words. Because they're going to be words of faith. I put that in parentheses. But joy, peace, and hope. You can do that too if you want to. Here's the second one. Look for what is good. Look for what is good. I wrote this down in parentheses too. We usually find what we look for. We usually find what we look for. I remember a a note Corey put up on Facebook. Something he was out there looking for and what he went through to find it. And it's a fun little story to to read and see what he went through to, to, to do all that. But you found what you were looking for. Because I said, I'm looking for this. And he set out to find it. And he found it. You will generally find what you're looking for. If you try and find faults and flaws in people, you will find it. But if you, if you look for reasons to believe in them, you can find that too. When does God give up on us? That's the same time period we ought to give up on other people. Keep going after them. All right, let's go back on this thing. Look for what is good. Remember, the word of God tells us, believe the best. Don't believe the worst. Believe the best. Here's this one, third one. Cease all evil speaking. Cease all evil speaking. I put in parentheses on this one. And thinking. Don't think thoughts that are evil. Don't speak thoughts that are evil. Now, if you weren't here on Wednesday night, I put the uh, Wednesday night services, the podcast is up there. You can also go up on Facebook and you can, you can watch it. But if you weren't here on Wednesday night for this one on Hebrews, I'll tell you what, I, if I can recommend it, you go back there and listen to that one. I was so enjoying that one when I was, when I was learning the stuff. Cause I learned and stuff, you know, I don't just teach it. I, I learned it too. And I was seeing some of the things that were involved there. But, uh, in that section of Hebrews, we got six things we can do for us to, to help other people. Six things we can do. So anyway, get on up there and and take a look at that. But one of the things we saw in there was the words that were being used to come alongside and encourage. That the the writer of Hebrews was telling us, using a word that means come alongside and speak words of encouragement. Now, anymore today, we do text, we do emails, we do phone calls, we do all these other things, but they didn't have that then. All they could do was come alongside and, and speak words of encouragement. Continue to do that today. You can do the other methods, but always make sure, come alongside and encourage. But here's the thing I want you to see. This is what I got into Wednesday night. And one of the things. Instead of coming alongside and encouraging, we are going away and bickering. The Word of God tells us, come alongside and encourage. But when I see people in the body of Christ, instead of me having words of faith, and seeing potential, and seeing what God put on the inside of them, I see the faults and the flaws, and I go away, and I bicker with other people about their faults and their flaws. I am completely going against what the Word of God says to do. And if you go against what the Word of God says to do, you are in foolishness, and it's why wisdom is not following you. Come alongside and encourage. Because everybody's doing something good. Find out what it is. And come alongside and encourage. So, speak words of faith. Look for what is good. Cease all evil speaking.
Just cut it out. Don't speak evil of others. Receive what is given. This is huge, folks. You, you gotta, you gotta do this. People are going to give what they can, what they, what they're able to give. It's all that they're able to do. And they're going to come and they're going to, to give it. Right? We gotta receive it. Just like we do with the little kids when they're growing up. When that little one, you know, I got a whole box of, of things my granddaughter has made for me. And um, my grandson, he's getting up to that age. He's, he's going to start doing that. He just now today handed me a little piece of paper he scribbled on. That means absolutely nothing to anyone else. I love that thing. I said, this is all right. I put that thing aside. This is, this is good. But I got, let's say I got a whole box of stuff from that she was making from before. And uh, just, you know, she makes it. I don't care what it is. If you make it, it's good. She puts stickers. I don't put stickers on my stuff. I don't ever put stickers on my, ever. I don't like stickers. But she put some stickers on some of my stuff. Stickers are still there. We're making sure that they, they stay there. She went up to my, to the furniture, the little, little, uh, furniture, the bureau I have in my, in my, my, uh, um, room. As they you know, put your clothes in and stuff like that, she put two stickers up on there. They're still there. <laughs> stickers on the furniture. Why? Because of the one who did it. Now you see, when they're little, all they can do is scribble. Later on, they're going to be able to color and they're going to be outside the lines. And pretty soon they're going to be able to color and they're going to stay inside the lines. And then pretty soon they're going to be able to draw stuff freehand. And But up until then, they, they give you what they can. If they came to you and they scribbled something out and they say, here. And you just look at that and say, what in the world is that? Man, that is, that is ugly. You expect me to do something? We wouldn't do that, would we? No. And we don't feel that. But we surely wouldn't do that. Because we saw what they did. And we receive it how? Oh, joyfully with gladness. We are happy that they did that for us. And, and this is, we're thrilled. When people in the body of Christ come and they do something, receive it. Don't expect it to be way up over here. Receive it on the level that they're at. And be glad. And thank you for that. I appreciate you doing that. I appreciate you stepping in like, oh, that was, that was good. When you stepped out like that, that blessed me. Oh, I tell you what, I, I enjoyed that. That's what you do. Receive what is given. Don't put it down. Don't talk about it to other people and put it down. Can you imagine this? If my granddaughter, this is an easy way for you to, to see it. Imagine your granddaughter or, or, or daughter or whatever. If my granddaughter came to me and drew a picture and I said, oh, this is so pretty, this is so nice. And then I went away and talked to somebody else and said, my granddaughter drew this ugly picture for me. That wouldn't be very good, would it? It wouldn't be. And then what would you do if, if the granddaughter overheard you? No, I can say that because no one has ever heard me put down anything that she's done because I love everything that she... It's on the inside. I love... Whatever she does, I love it. This is good. This is the best ever. This is cool. And I'll, I'll never talk to anybody about it because I don't feel anything else about it. But you see, I bring this up for, the, for this. If you speak evil of what other people do, it's their best that they've got. It changes something on the inside of you. It will change something on the inside of you. And even when you speak good about it to the person who brings it, it's got an air of smelly laundry. Like the washer didn't quite work. And you may have all the right words and do all the right things, but there's that air that is there. Why? Because down on the inside of you, you really don't think it's that wonderful. Don't ever get to that place. Don't ever let that go on. Because that's the work of the enemy. The enemy wants to begin to sow things in you. That's not such a good thing that they did. Oh, look how bad that is. Oh, no, don't ever do that. Stay up to it. Father God, I thank you. They have given the best that they can. I thank you, Father God, that you are taking them to great places and this is just the beginning of good things that are coming from them.
Don't ever put it down. Don't put it down to people, even if no one else can hear. Don't put it down. Don't put it down to yourself. Don't do it. It will, it will affect you. It will become known. And you sure don't need that to, to happen. Don't, don't put it down. Receive what is given. Let me give you those four again. Speak words of faith. Look for what is good. Cease all evil speaking and receive what is given. Because every person out there in the body of Christ has received a gift. Every person out there in the body of Christ has faith on the inside of them. Every person outside there in the body of Christ has the Spirit of God on the inside of them. And it is your place, your role to pull that out. How many of you are glad for some people in your life that helped you? That saw what you did and you did the best that you could. But you've, how many of you ever looked back on something that you did before? Maybe for God? Maybe 20 years ago that you did for God? And you think, oh man, that was terrible. <laughs> oh, that was... Brother Hagin used to put it this way. He says, I'm surprised that the elders didn't have to tell me to get out of the rain. I was so ignorant. This will help you out. You see, the purpose here is to draw things out, to pull out what is on the inside of you and to pull out what is on the inside of others. This is huge. If you can get hold of this and not put down what other people do is good, look for the good things that are... Find them. Look for them. They're good. They're in there. I know it. I know they're in there. There's some good things in there. Pull those things out. The body of Christ is going to benefit. You're going to benefit. They're going to benefit. And you're going to benefit later. God's going to say, Hey, look at all these people over here. You had a hand in helping every one of them out. Thank you for that. Can you imagine that? Standing there on... Judgment seat of Christ today. Stand in there. And God comes over to you and he says, Thank you. Thank you. Oh, man. Would that ever be cool? That would be all right. God comes up and says, Thank you. I don't want it to be the other way around. Where God says, See all those people over there? You did not help them one bit. I was trying to use you to bring that good stuff out of them and you did not help them one bit. Mm-mm. Now, see, if I learn how to pull out of others, I also learn how to pull out of me. And the better I can pull out of me and the better I can pull out of others, the better my life is going to be. Now, not just later, but right now. Would you all stand up with me? Today is Communion Sunday. And the ushers are going to come. We're missing so many of them. But him. But well, we got three guys, look at that, that are going to help us out. <laughs> Glory to God for that. A lot of people away today, but it's good to have you folks that are here. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, before supper, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, This represents my body which is broken for you. The body of Jesus Christ was broken for you. He was beaten for you to be healed. For you to have all the sickness and disease that was in this world that was put upon Him so that you don't have to bear it anymore. Before supper even started, He pulled the bread out. He broke it. And he passed it around. He said, This represents my body. Glory to God. He thought so much of you that after he left the garden in that time of prayer, He's in chains. He had the crown of thorns. They tied him to a post. And they beat him. They hit him with rods. He was such a bloody mess. They said you could barely recognize he was a man. And the whole time Jesus is taking that beating, he says, this is so my children. 
don't have to suffer from the curse. If he was willing to go through all that, should we ever wonder that it's his will to heal us? This morning as we eat together, let's remember the body of Jesus Christ received a beating, a scourging, so that I could be healed. Let's, let's eat together. After supper, he took the cup. He said, this represents the blood of the new covenant. No longer bulls and goats brought on a regular basis. No longer lambs and turtle doves. No. The blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, paid the price and we are forgiven. There is nothing that we need to add, nothing we need to do after this, just receive the forgiveness that comes from Him. Let's drink together and remember that. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank You. It's such a great sacrifice that You made, giving up Your Son, having Him live on this earth, be beaten, bleeding, nailed to a cross and died for us. We thank you for that great love, the wonderful sacrifice that Jesus was willing to do for us. We do this to remember that we don't ever forget how great a sacrifice it was and how much benefit we receive in this this life now. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we change over for our cover dish dinner, Daryl has a praise report. God protected us from a need or a head-on collision on the way to church. That was today. Wow. That was, that is nice when God protects us from things like that. Is that something you saw on the way here? Missed you, or you actually saw the whole accident? Oh, wow. That is something. Glory to God for, glory to God for that. All right. And oh, okay. Very good. All right. Well, this morning, as we get ready for our covered dish, we can use your help to gather up all the chairs.